0: And welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 43. Uh tonight's topic will be our favorite TV characters, as more or less a follow-up/slash sequel to last week's favorite movie characters. Uh but before we get to that,
1: Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm uh <laughs> <laughs> tired? I'm a, I'm a tired boy. I pulled a 14 and a half hour shift. Uh I'm currently slurping on a little uh Little milkshake because you know the Sonic does Ooh. Uh, half half price after eight, so it was like ah uh, it's been a long day I gotta treat myself so it's it's been a day it's gonna be a week honestly but obviously this is uh, one of my favorite parts of the week so uh, I'm I'm ready to get down to business man.
0: Well, I'll give you a couple more minutes to enjoy that milkshake because I'm gonna talk about
1: not one but two movies
0: that I oh, yeah. just saw uh, Monday. I saw the movie Crawl, the alligator one, and actually oh, a couple yeah. hours ago, Heather and I just got back from seeing Stuber. So we're gonna, I'm going to give my general thoughts about both those movies. Um, America. I will give favorable reviews to both of them, actually. Um, I will say, right off the bat, I did like Stuber a bit more. More than I thought I was, uh, but I'll get into that in a second. Crawl was exactly what I thought it was going to be, but not nearly as good as some people were making it out to be. So I had heard going into okay. it that Crawl was amazing, a sleeper hit, and it is, it's good. It's like if a sci-fi channel original movie was actually good. Um, it When it sticks to its premise of a girl trapped in a crawl space with alligators, because uh, she's trying to see if her dad's okay in the middle of a hurricane, uh, when it sticks to that, It's a lot of fun. It is some of the best tension in a movie and making me on the edge of my seat since uh, A Quiet Place. But A Quiet Place, it is not. There's some family drama in it that just does not really click. And also, none of the actors in it are particularly great. They almost are like casted out of a sci-fi original movie because I don't recognize any of them. The main actress is kind of like a discount Emma Stone. But everyone is fine. There's quite a few wince-inducing moments Um, the gators are very realistic and Josh, I'm sure you'll understand what I mean by this, but there's a couple parts that I personally winced. Mm -hmm. There's, there's one part in particular that I'm actually watching the saw movies right now. So I've kind of just gotten used to, uh, booby traps and violence. There's one part in particular that I had some serious PTSD flashbacks of something. And I almost threw up. I was like, Oh no, let's not relive this. Um, (laughs) But there's some good tension built in it. Overall, it's a really good time. But it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a great theater movie. It's an excellent red box, or it. I think the description I gave Heather when I came out of the theater was, it is an excellent Netflix movie, not a great theater movie. Um, however, on the flip side, Stuber was a lot more fun than I was expecting it to be. Uh, this movie's not doing well with the critics. I think it's about a 50-50 split of if critics like it or if they don't. Personally, I really, really enjoyed it. Batista, his comedic timing is just spot on. The dude, when he's sticks in his comedic lane, he's a riot. Uh, and he has great comedic timing with Kumail Nair, I think that's how you pronounce the name, who is honestly, he's the MVP of the movie. His dialogue is so great. Uh, Just the premise of Dave Batista just got LASIK eye surgery, so he can't really see anything, so that's why when he's tracking down this guy that he's been hunting for two years, he needs uh, his Uber to more or less drive him around, and it is hysterical. It is so well done. It's not the funniest movie I've ever seen, or maybe not even the hardest I've laughed in a movie all year, but it is a nice, fun, lighthearted time in a theater. If uh, if you're looking for something fun to see in the theater, you just want to laugh, escape for a little bit, Stuber is a lot of fun. Uh, if not, I could definitely say, see it on Redbox, but it wouldn't hurt to see it in theaters. It's actually a lot of fun and a lot better than I was expecting. Um, that out of the way, let's get into the news, shall we? Yes. Cause, oh, wow. I felt like I was just kept adding on to it this week cause there's so much stuff. And we actually had to cut some stuff out. Uh, But first of all, this broke earlier of the day of recording. So we weren't initially going to talk about this, but we're like, oh, this is a pretty big deal. Um, Not only has Marvel announced... Well, Marvel hasn't announced this yet. I think it's Hollywood Reporter that was officially reporting this, but they're a pretty reliable source. Um, We are getting Thor 4. Not only are we getting Thor 4, but Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi is coming back to direct it.
1: Um, interesting.
0: I'm, I'm excited about this. Obviously, I'll go into more detail about why, but uh, before I go into detail, Josh, what do you think about Taika Waititi returning, but also what do you think about Thor 4 being more or less official?
1: Okay, so first of all, it's interesting to me that they're announcing a Thor 4 before a Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So I have a theory about that. Because technically speaking, I'm I'm assuming at this point that it's going to be the same
0: thing? I don't think so. I think they'll be connected, but they'll be two separate movies. Hmm. Now, here's where my theory hat comes in. I think they were waiting to say this at Comic-Con, but it got leaked. Okay. Because Comic-Con is this weekend, and that's the... That's a, This is a big announcement that could have been a really cool announcement for Comic-Con, but I think it got leaked early. That's what I think. Okay, I can see that. But yeah, I think this is... I would not be surprised if, like, Guardians 3 and uh, Thor 4 are connected somehow. I can see that, because at, 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 when we leave Endgame, spoilers,
1: they're in the same ship, so...
0: Yes, and James Gunn has said, however, that Guardians 3 is not as Guardians of the Galaxy. That's not at least what it's titled. Um, yeah. But James Gunn has been very vocal about he's known what the story for Guardians 3 has been for a while, even before Endgame. Uh, I, I'm i under the impression that he knew the ending of Endgame and where characters would be at. But I think he's known the story for a while, so whether or not that includes Thor, I'll be very curious to see.
1: Yeah. But also, honestly, the writing... Um... I, that kind of would excite me almost, though. Is having the Guardians of the Galaxy with the T.T. um writing? Oh this my writing goodness, yes! Very different. His writing's very different from James Gunn.
0: Yes, James Gunn. It's both of them are really good comedic writers. Uh, I always get the impression with Taika Waititi, he's a little more fast and loose. Of a lot of Ragnarok was improvised. So if yeah. you can have that improv- improv- improvisational, there we go style of comedy with the rest of the Guardians I think yeah. oh my goodness Chris Pratt's improbability mix mm. mi- mixed with
1: uh, Chris Hemsworth oh my goodness well so the big thing is I, I would be <laughs> okay with let's say uh, Chris Pratt taking a, maybe a different direction with Star Lord because he has kind of come off a little douchey as of late yeah, like an idiot. More yeah, so than like, he was in the it, first it, one. Not, not, mu- not really someone that we can get behind. Yeah,
0: and I wouldn't so be surprised I, if that's something that gets remedied in Guardians Three. I agree. Um, I'm more thinking if if there's crossover between the Guardians and Thor. Just the fun combinations that we could have of Korg and Groot, or oh yeah, Korg and um, Drax. It'd be a lot of fun, honestly. Oh yeah, uh, that's even just to say that the guard, the Guardians of the Galaxy, would even be in Thor four. It if it is a Thor movie, I could see it just being Thor by himself. Or now, hear me out. Chris Hemsworth actually did just recently sign on for I think. Two more Marvel movies? I forget, but he just re-upped his contract. I'm going to say something radical. There's a very good chance that Thor 4 doesn't have Chris Hemsworth. Really? Uh, This is my prediction. I think Thor 4 will star Valkyrie.
1: Interesting.
0: I could see Valkyrie becoming the new Thor. Okay. Cause he more he kind of handed the baton off to her at the end of Endgame, and I highly doubt we'll ever see Natalie Portman back as Jane Foster ever again. So maybe somehow, some way, she Valkyrie becomes our new Thor, our new Lady Thor.
1: Huh. So you're you're saying you would say that over them bringing in the alien Thor. I think, ooh, I could absolutely see uh, Beta
0: Ray Bill being in Thor four because we're getting more cosmic and weird, and yep. it would make more sense for him to obviously be introduced into Thor than Guardians three. Yeah, but yes, I can. I see more Valkyrie than Beta Ray Bill as being our next Thor. That's fair. I can. I would. I could accept that. And that's one of those characters. Of Val- if Valkyrie is our new replacement, like. Um, Sam Wilson taking over for Steve Rogers, it's one of those passing the batons that I'm actually really okay with because they did such a good enough job, at least for me personally, of establishing the character and making me care that if they're yeah. filling in these big shoes, I'm totally
1: on board with it. Well, and Valkyrie actually feels deserving of that title is the other thing. Like, Yeah, I, I which is think... something I
0: never felt was the case with Jane Foster, ever.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, Valkyrie, when Thor goes all fat, lazy, drunk guy. Like, Valkyrie is clearly the one that should be in charge. And she takes it upon herself to become ruler. So, she, in my book, that makes her worthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If
0: not her as the main, I could see Thor 4 officially crowning her as the new Thor.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that too.
0: Like a passing I of the possibly... baton, like a movie we will talk about later that seems to be getting people all up in arms.
1: Yes, I I personally would love Beta Ray Bill. I think think he's coming.
0: I think he's very much coming. They've set him up, they've teased him enough.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, especially with bringing in Stormbreaker.
0: Yeah. Um, But I think this is great. I pointed this out to Heather that this is actually the Marvel's, this is the MCU's first fourth. Because, well, technically Avengers Endgame, but I think that's kind of a part two to the third Avengers movie. We haven't had a fourth installment to any single character's story. We had Iron Man 3, uh, Captain America Civil War, Um, even going back to Tobey Maguire. He had Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man Trilogy, Blade Trilogy. Um, I'm trying to think of any other character that's had more than three movies as solo movies. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. Which, this is kind of a big deal. But also, um, if you, we've seen the stats, Captain America and Iron Man are still th- have the most appearances. So I think Chris Hemsworth, in the back of his mind, is, wants to tie that before he retires.
1: I mean, I could see that. But also, the on the other side of that is Ragnarok. He felt a life for the character that he didn't feel before.
0: Yes, He's like, there was on that sense of rejuvenation that, so.
1: in the character. Exactly, so th- he he might be feeling like there's more to be done here now.
0: Yes, and with Taika Waititi on board, I I would like to see more of Thor, more Korg, more Meek, more Valkyrie, just more of his style. We all know that I love Taika Waititi as a director and as a comedic guy, so I'm all on board for him, and I love Thor as a character, so I'm all on board for more of him. Um, So another... Big thing that came out this past week. Um, Not a whole lot of trailers recently, but we had one for The King's Man, a prequel to The Kingsman series. Now, Josh, you are probably the big, bigger fan of the two of us of The Kingsman series. I like the first one, not as thrilled about the second one. I'm still quite on the fence for this prequel, especially after watching the trailer. But before I go into my thoughts, what did you think about The King's Man trailer? Um, I was definitely
1: pleasantly surprised. Um I think we talked about it a f- couple weeks ago um, about when they were announcing that this movie was coming. Um, I was kind of confused as to what story there would be to tell. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I, but now I'm I'm fairly on board. I I you know, why not at this point? Um, the one maybe nitpick I might have, Was and you're gonna laugh at me? The guy who is apparently playing our main character, Ray Fiennes, looks uh, not not Voldemort on the other one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks so much like a discount Peter from Narnia that who already kind
0: of is a discount,
1: just discount. Yeah, exactly. But like, he looks so much like him. William Mosley, I think, is that actor's I think, name? I don't remember his
0: name because he's not
1: in enough things.
0: Last time I saw him, he was in a random episode of American Ninja
1: Warrior. I feel like I've seen him in something recently. Uh, some movie, I can't remember. but, but yeah, It's like a discount version of him. And, that, and it keeps throwing me. Every time, I, I do a double take every time he comes on on, on screen. Because I'm like, there's no way that, you know, that Peter. because uh, first of all, I think he, that guy, the Peter would be fantastic in the role. It just like, it just throws me off that it's not him. So he is British after all. Yeah. And we will never get the last
0: battle. And I'm really mad. You might on Netflix. Remember, we're getting a Narnia series. Yeah.
1: Well, it won't be like the characters. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. A little side tangent. Yeah. Because you are
0: the huge Narnia fan.
1: Well, I'm, well I, I am too. Say, admittedly, I mean, I I wouldn't say huge, but the way that they were spacing out the movies made it perfect so that the actors that were playing the original, you know, kids would be the perfect age for when they brought when they finally got to the last last battle.
0: Well, the whole rights issue kind of makes it yeah complicated and of I, what studio had what.
1: And i and i I understand that, and which is why i've I've not griped and complained about it, but I was just that was always my hope because it was the timing was was pretty spot on so um going back to the Kings Man trailer yes,
0: I think as a trailer for a movie, it looks pretty cool they are intentionally kind of keeping it pretty vague um I will say, however. As a trailer to a Kingsman movie, however, I was a little disappointed and a little bit confused because at least tonally it does not look like a Kingsman movie at all. Yeah.
1: That was always that was something I, also, I even said to myself, I was like, this doesn't feel like a Kingsman movie. It feels like a war not movie, a of- not a like the first two Kingsmen are so hilariously
0: over the top, but in a super fun way. This is like, nope, we're going for the war horse
1: vibe now. Yeah. And I can't quite tell if I'm on board with that yet or not. Like part of me is, but the other, I I mean, I guess even the most ludicrous of stories has to, especially one like Kingswoman has to be based where, it, you know, in some sort of seriousness, kind of, I guess.
0: Yeah. So I don't. Really know what to make of this trailer. I think this movie is incredibly well cast. Having Ray Fiennes as your main actor is never a bad idea. Um, I, I'm still on the fence. I, I think it looks interesting, and I'll be curious to see where it goes. But um, yeah, the, tonally, it looks so different from the previous two. So I don't really know what to expect, honestly. Well, and you know what? Maybe that's exactly what the
1: series needs.
0: Yeah, after the real ridiculousness of the second one, maybe Matthew Vaughn took that to heart and is going for more of a serious approach this time around.
1: I mean, yeah, and to his credit, I think he found that kind of dealing with the second one, is once you've been super ridiculous in the first one, you have to go over the top after that. You can't, like, regress back. You have to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, well, you got anything else before we go into one of the news no, topics that I'm super excited to talk about? Yeah, um, not really. I think the thing that stood out to me in the trailer is obviously uh, the the main speech that leads throughout, and I thought that was a very it, 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 that's mainly what hooked me. Alrighty, yeah, it's
0: been a slow week for trailers, so this was the only one that really stood out. Um, yeah. Also, quick side tangent for trailers. I've been absolutely hooked on the Peanut Butter Falcon trailer. Um, And if you have not seen it yet, folks, Google Peanut Butter Falcon trailer. Um, It is like the most indie movie trailer you will see this year. But I genuinely am going to search this movie out when it comes in theaters because this looks fantastic. Shiloh F. seems to be returning to form. Um, But yeah, that quick side tangent out of the way. The newest topic that I'm most excited to talk about this week is Derek Kolstad the writer and creator of the John Wick universe has been brought on to the writing team for the upcoming Falcon and Winter Soldier TV series on Disney+. Plus. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah, um... If you didn't want to see this series before, you definitely want to see it now. Yeah, because
0: something as great as the action is in John Wick, it's like the best thing about the series. I think another reason why the franchise keeps getting higher and higher in terms of its box office and its kind of critical acclaim is the writing and the world building around the movies itself. It's not just great gunfire and hand-to-hand combat and everything else. It's actually really good storytelling and world building. So I'm really excited to see an incredible storyteller and Derek Kohlstad joined the team, but also dude knows how to write action. No, oh, absolutely. Like, Oh, I now I have a pretty high standard, not just for the storytelling, but I'm now going to have a pretty high standard for the action set pieces for this series.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that, and being that this is a movie with Falcon and, uh, winter soldier, that's just going to take both of these characters to the next level. And I
0: guarantee you now we will see Falcon in the, um, white and blue captain America suit because, um, the original end credit scene, it is not a spoiler cause it's not, this not, this isn't the actual end credits for it. Uh, but the original end credits for Spider-Man far from home was supposed to be Falcon showing up in the captain America suit from the comics yeah absolutely so i oh i'm excited for that day to see him in the suit because i even before i became a big falcon fan falcon i still think is one of the most underappreciated people in the mcu he's fantastic um i've always been a fan of that suit that he's got it's so great and and immediately separates him from the steve rogers cap but i'm excited to see the dynamic um before Far From Home, we watched Civil War again, and just rewatching the scenes with Falcon and Bucky are fantastic. I love their chemistry together. I actually so hot take time because yeah, we do that from time to time. Oh,
1: well, here we go with the hot
0: takes. Hot take: I think Bucky has better chemistry with Falcon than he does with Steve Rogers. Oh, absolutely. Of I care more about those two characters than I do about Bucky and Steve. The movies always tell us that they're close and you care about Bucky because you care about Steve. Their chemistry is always just like, we're brothers. Sure. But no, like, the Falcon and Bucky, they get on each other, but at the end, in the funeral for Endgame, they're actually there for each other. I think they have better chemistry. Yeah, oh, I agree. And I'm, that's Even the number like- one thing I'm most looking forward to. Even more than the Mandalorian, actually, is Falcon and Winter Soldier.
1: I would, yeah, I, I would legit, I mean, we both know I'm not going to, but I would pay for the, um, pay for Seven the Disney Seven bucks a month, shows. man. I, we both know that I'm not going to, because I'm just Yeah, gonna that's true. I'm going to borrow it from somebody else, because that's what I do, because I'm a cheapskate. That's not, okay, it's not cheapskate, I'm just, just broke all the time.
0: Yeah, it's, there's a reason why I don't have Pop-Tarts in my house, and somehow it's your fault. Oh, come on. It's been five years. (laughs) But it hasn't been 11 years.
1: Speaking
0: of 11, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things may or may not have just been cast in the MCU. She is denying it. But that is exactly what someone who's just been cast in the MCU would be telling us. Um, so she may have just been cast in The Eternals, which is slowly but surely, if the rumors are to be believed, is slowly gathering a all-star cast of Millie Bobby Brown, Angelina Jolie, uh, Stubers, Kumail Nan- uh, Nanjiani, Nair, I always forget his last name, I'm, I'm so sorry to that actor. Um, Josh, do you think adding Millie Bobby Brown is a great thing, and okay thing? What do you think of her as an actress?
1: Um, I mean, as far as I'm aware, the only thing I've seen her in is, uh, Stranger, uh, things? is, is Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Oh, uh, that's what I was. Try- I was trying to think to make sure because I th- could have sworn she did something else. Godzilla. That's what it was. I haven't King seen Godzilla yet. Yes, I haven't seen Godzilla yet. I don't know how she was in that, but um, I remember you seeing her seeing that movie though. I, I have not seen she-
0: Godzilla yet. Not the second one.
1: Oh, really? I've, okay, I've cool. just, I've not been able to get around to it. Yeah. It's a timing thing. Um, I'm going to have to wait till it gets to red box and then I'll just, I'll pop it in there. Um, but as far as I, you know, Millie is concerned, I, am down. I think she's a good actor, um, or actress, whatever you want to, the terminology is, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not as familiar with the Eternals as with a lot of other things. So I'm not entirely sure what to expect, But obviously, if, you know, I think you and I have the same mind when it comes to Marvel content, if they're going to put an all-star cast behind it and then actually, you know, put some work into the actual storytelling,
0: then yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I can't sit here and pretend to know the Eternals, like, at all. I'm just going off, like, my general knowledge of comics, I'm like, are they anything like the new gods from dc is is that what they're like cuz i i genuinely don't know anything about the eternals. um i know stranger things pretty well and time for another hot take cuz i'm full of them today. i'm not entirely sold the Millie Bobby Brown is a good actor. Really? Okay. Because i'll say this in terms of the rest the entire ensemble cast of stranger things and it could just be her character <sighs> I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I think Eleven's the weakest character on Stranger Things. Yeah. Because of her performance. I'll be honest.
1: Because Eleven's
0: character is very one-note. It's not a character that is required to express a lot of emotion. It's not a character that's required to do a lot of physicality. It's a lot of um, look stern and look angry about a given thing. I will say Millie Bobby Brown does that incredibly well. I just don't think she's necessarily been given the most opportunities to show her full range as an actor slash actress yet. So she could be phenomenal. I just don't think Stringer Things has been the best showcase of what she can do yet.
1: Uh, yeah, and I agree. And to her credit, she's what, like 13, 14? 15, I think. 15, yeah. She's got a lot of room to grow and a long yeah. way to go. I'm just saying... Compared to like
0: her co-stars like Finn Wolfhard, who's been in a bunch of stuff, or um, Will or Dustin, I yeah. think she's kind of a weaker character because they don't give her a lot of other stuff to do. Maybe that's just the writing, um, but she often comes across as very one note. So I'm, I'm not entirely convinced of her acting ability yet, but Marvel doesn't miscast people except Edward Norton, but... I think that's a whole other side story. That's yeah, that's business. that's a law. Uh, that's cool a whole podcast football. episode in and of itself, right there. Yeah. Um so I mean, Marvel Not really speaking, literally her, just so I'm gonna trust Sarah Finn and the casting department. Yeah. Now, casting that I am ecstatic through the moon about is we have more casting news in regards to Universal's upcoming, not Universal. Blumhouse's, there's a big difference, a much better difference, about Blumhouse's upcoming Invisible Man movie. So a while back we said Universal had more or less taken, had given up in their dark universe after one movie and we were just like, Blumhouse, fix our mess, please. So Blumhouse is slowly but surely reintroducing the old school Universal Monsters. Um, that was announced with Lee Winnell directing, who uh, worked with James Wan to do Saw. We already had Elizabeth Moss announced as one of our actresses as more or less the main actress. We now have our invisible man himself, uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, better known for his work on The Haunting of Hill House. Um, I love this casting because uh, I'm blanking on his name. I believe his character's name is Jack? Um, He was the drug addict younger brother in um, Haunting of Hill House, which fight me, Haunting of Hill House is the actual best show on Netflix. Better than Stranger Things. It is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. I'm so hyped for season two. I love The Haunting of Hill House. It's phenomenal scares, phenomenal acting, and Oliver Jackson Cohen is a phenomenal actor, especially what he brought to the role. Um, For Haunting of Hill House, I'm super excited to see what they do with this, but to me it also shows... That they are taking their time with this and really going for talent. But also, the story of the Invisible Man with uh, Elizabeth Moss believing that her um, ex, who will be Oliver's role, that he's dead. But in reality, he may not be. That's where the whole Invisible Man thing comes in handy. I think that's just ripe for a modern interpretation. Um, Josh, I'm going to assume you haven't seen the original Invisible Man, but what do you think... Of Blumhouse doing the Invisible Man, so I have not seen the Haunting of Hill House. I hadn't, so I have no I idea. Didn't think who you had. Have you? Are you caught up on Stranger Things at least? Uh, I'm like the second episode in. Okay, more. So you're more or less caught up. After because... that, watch the Haunting of Hill House and thank me later.
1: Fair enough. The. the... The only reason I'm not all the way through it is because my girl, I made a deal with someone in my life. Oh, and, same.
0: I'm not allowed to watch Stranger Things without Heather, and she's not yeah. allowed to watch it without me. Yes. That's one of like, like, the, the only deal. shows, that and Scrubs, that we have to watch it together.
1: Yes. The deal was I had to save Stranger Things for her and I if I could go watch Umbrella Academy, and I think there was something else uh, on my own. Which I just finished. Haunting a of Hell idea. House. I, I might do that. There's only point. like
0: 10 episodes.
1: Oh, that's easy to do. I that, that's There's only a like 8 idea. or 10
0: episodes and they're all like an hour each.
1: Oh, yeah. It'll take you I not mean, as that, long
0: uh, as Stranger Things.
1: But well, you'll yeah, like I it more than knock Stranger Things. O- knowing knock you're... that out over Dude, it's Mike
0: Flanagan. Of course you'll like it. <laughs> if you of like course. Oculus, which I know you do, you will like Haunting
1: of Hell House. There's a lot of Oculus in it. Cool. Um... As far as the Invisible Man goes, um, I yeah, modern interpretation, why not? Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> I think the the Mummy with you know when they were trying to rebuild to do this dark 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 universe, yeah, get out, get it out of your system.
0: Oh, um, that is, oh, that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I yeah, and I had the, guests ask me all the time when I worked at Universal at the Mummy ride. Oh, I've heard that they're gonna they're gonna reskin this or um, refurbish this, so it's the Tom Cruise one. And I told guests blankly, straight to their face, no, because the Mummy movie was not good, and we want to forget this movie happened. I told guests yeah. that to their face. Yes.
1: So, but to its credit, I'll I'll give it this: it did make it a decent attempt at trying to. No, do, they didn't. To re- I, I would say that it was... No. It wasn't good. It was nope. an
0: attempt, nonetheless. You know it's bad um, because they, the same people that tried to shoehorn in a universe in The Mummy are the same people that tried to shoehorn a universe
1: into Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay, fair enough. How, but regardless, I think you can easily make these kinds of stories good in this modern interpretation. Especially nowadays because... I don't think it's something it's in today's storytelling people are are very much aware of what else is uh, is out there uh, content wise so trying to make a you know a mummy movie or a invisible man movie is going to take something something a little bit more creative to get people in that, those seats than just being like, there's gonna be a mummy and it's gonna kill people. Ooh. Like, you know, that's not that alone premise alone, much learned by Thomas uh, Thomas,
0: <laughs> Thomas 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 Cruz. Cruz. Thomas Cruz.
1: That Tommy just Cruz? sounds
0: like a Dean Coons or um, <laughs> a James Patterson novel.
1: It does. Anyway, uh Timothy Cruz. I'm just gonna I don't think I'm Timothy ever gonna call Cruz. him by his name now. Um, <laughs> Anyway, much learned by by that movie. You can't just be like by Timothy Cruz's <laughs> – by the, that movie. You can't just have a mummy in the movie and people are going to go see it and that doesn't make it good. There, the nice thing with this to, is the original Universal Monsters, none of the
0: movies – none of the original versions at least seem like they had very large budgets. They're all like small scale um, – Yeah. Intimate stories, which is what Blumhouse excels at. They make their movies for like five to 10 million and then make 80 to 100 million. So that's a good investment. And I'm excited because you just you don't need a big budget. You don't really even need that many effects.
1: Yeah, you could, ooh, excuse me. Um, you just need you good story. Even, you get, you can easily do practical effects, which are much
0: cheaper. Oh, absolutely. Um, so this next one, I actually have a mini rant, of of course, because that's what I do. Um, but it may not be the rant that people are expecting. So, again, this is just a report, just a rumor at this point. But Lashana Lynch is rumored to be the new 007 in the world of James Bond. Now, Lashana Lynch is the best friend, sidekick, character from the most recent captain marvel that's literally the only thing i know her from um this naturally got a very let's just say mixed reaction from the internet of like how dare you cast a woman as 007 how dare you cast a woman of color as 007 and i'm just going i hate the human race sometimes um, how, how, how dare you cast a woman in the most misogynistic the role
1: there has ever been?
0: And here's where my rant begins. You morons. Nowhere in this rumor, because I've read the original article from the source, and they've said that this is a rumor. Nowhere in this rumor does it say Lashana is playing James Bond. Nowhere. It says she's taking over the role of 007. For those of you who didn't see Spectre, you lucky guys, because Spectre was awful, the end of Spectre, Daniel Craig's James Bond retires. So if he retires, MI6 needs someone to fill the shoes of 007. It is not James Bond. It is a position in MI6 that needs to be filled. I'm sure there was other Agent J's in the Men in Black besides Will Smith. Having her as 007 is not the end of the world. She is not replacing Daniel Craig. But although, let's say it together now, this is Daniel Craig's last Bond movie, and it may be for the best because he doesn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> you have an actress that actually wants to be there. She may be replacing James Bond, but she is not James Bond. She's a new yeah. character, and that is a good what are we always complaining about of shoehorning in characters or quote unquote political correctness to shoehorn it into a universe that is not what they're doing here they're creating a new character which is something we say we want all the time they're doing it so stop complaining about it and for all those people who are like you can't have you can't just have someone new be 007 um this is James Bond and there's this character for those of you who know Bond named M who has been played by several different people, both male and female, because M is a title. It's not a specific character, and 007 is the exact same way. Ray Fiennes, who we just talked about in The King's Man, he's the current M. Before him, it was Judi Dench. Before her, it was some other actor. That character has been recast, but it always has been M. And it's always been a title. 007 is a Title and it is completely fine for someone other than James Bond to play that
1: role. Rant over. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, that's about that's about all I got to say about it as well. Just uh people people just look
0: for stuff to be offended by of how dare you recast James Bond. They're gonna recast James Bond after this movie anyway, because Daniel Craig's done. So are you gonna complain now or you're gonna complain later? Make up your mind,
1: because Henry Cavill is going to be our new
0: movie. Bond. Mark my words, and we don't know if she will be 007 at the end of the movie or the beginning. I highly, I'm inclined to believe uh, there'll be like some scene in the movie that Ray finds his M will be like, come in 007, and she'll come in the room because Daniel Craig's Bond is still retired, and maybe she gives him back the title, or maybe he stays retired. Leading open the door for a James Bond in the future. It's it's like people are like, you can't do that. You do realize James Bond is notorious more than any other franchise for recasting and changing up timelines, right? It is yeah. okay. <laughs>
1: It's the honestly the whole whole bond fiasco that is tur- that it's turning into now is is, is quite It's going to be more entertaining than the movie itself. Yeah. And that's not even addressing the whole rumors
0: of the villain that may be returning. No. You know who I'm talking about? No, There's I don't. There's rumors I, I don't of care. a certain Christoph Waltz being on set and returning as Blofeld to which I'm just going, "Wait, isn't Rami Malek The bad guy.
1: Look, man, I don't need you coming in here into your Bond franchise with logic and reason. Okay, I is this going to sound horrible for me to say,
0: but I kind of just want to get this bond over with so we can get a fresh start. Because I feel like this is the end for Craig and he's yeah, he's been done with it for a while. And he, I think yeah. he wants to move on. And I think fans, we fans have already started to talk about who's the next Bond before um, this movie even comes out. So that just kind of hangs over this whole production. So LaShawna Lynch, if she's the new 007, not the new Bond, but the new 007, and they want to go um, in a new female-centered direction... Of having a new female 007 agent. Fine. So long as it's good. Go for it. Man, nice change of pace. Then if you yeah. really wanted to. Recast James Bond and reintroduce him to the world. That's totally fine with me. Uh, I have uh, nothing else to add to that honestly. Whew, I'm going to catch my breath. And talk about Sherlock Holmes 3. Um, this movie is finally happening after what feels like a lot of years. Um, by the time this movie comes out, it will have been ten years since Game of Shadows, which is just nuts to me. Um I'm conflicted how I feel about this. So Guy Ritchie directed the first two Sherlock Holmes. Unfortunately, he will not be returning for Sherlock Holmes three. Instead, we have uh director of the most recent um Elton John Biopic, Rocket Man. Will be directing Sherlock Holmes three. Uh, before I give my thoughts on this, Josh, what are your thoughts about the director change for Sherlock Holmes three? Um, first of all, I haven't seen Rocket Man, so
1: I don't. Me have neither. Any, I just I don't really have no, the basis. It's getting some good reviews. Yeah, that's what I know. But also, like that—that's that's the kind of movie or director you saw to me that says somebody saw rocket man and was like oh that's the new hot director and then was like he well let's have him do our Sherlock Holmes 3 movie because that'll give it some uh some uh good rapport well I don't know if that's necessarily the case because I'd argue Guy Ritchie
0: coming off of Aladdin which is weird to say is actually hotter than the director that did rocket man fair I suppose because Aladdin just passed the $900 million mark.
1: But is it deserving?
0: <laughs> actually, yeah. I actually quite enjoyed Aladdin. It was a lot better than okay. I was expecting.
1: Oh, all right, then. Well, I mean, I, first of all, I don't really think we need a third Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I'm no, I will it's... fight you
0: on that one. This is long overdue. <sighs> I cuz Robert I Downey joined, Jr for some reason ever since he joined the MCU he kind of like turned down like every other movie except for know. um Dude Date for some reason I and um just... The Judge like everything else has either been MCU or filmed before the MCU came out cuz I'm pretty sure he started production on Tropic Thunder um uh, before MC uh before Marvel cuz that also was 2008 um And then he did something, he did Sherlock Holmes in 2009, which I'm sure that started production before Iron Man came out. By and large, he's just been an MCU person for like the past decade. So I'm glad to see him come back for Sherlock Holmes, as is Jude Law. Um, I'm on the fence about this. I really liked Guy Ritchie's style that he brought to Sherlock Holmes. He brought this fun, high energy. But that being said... uh, I can see why they want to go in a new direction. One, because it has been so long. But two, Game of Shadows was not nearly as good as the first Sherlock Holmes. So I could see them kind of wanting a new, fresh perspective on things. Fair enough. Now, I just have one request. Um, When we eventually get this movie, please, please, please do the one thing that's always a fun Sherlock Holmes story avenue to go down when we do is Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper.
1: Yeah. Cause that's, well, a, that's to been told several more times over first. in
0: the stories and it's always a fun avenue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm you just know glad to see this getting ad-
0: some, um, this seems to be getting some forward progress. It's still going to be a long way off. It's like Christmas 2021, I think. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to see it. I love the first one. It was my favorite movie for a long time. I still really quite enjoy it. Game of Shadows was a bit disappointing, but I'm just glad to see us get back into that world of Sherlock Holmes. I'm, as we'll talk about later in our favorite TV characters, I'm just a sucker for anything Sherlock Holmes related, unless it's elementary. That's hot garbage. Um, But... (laughs) I want to just jump back into the world. I really like Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. I like Jude Law Law as Watson. So I'm down for another one, even if it's long overdue. Now, Josh, this next one, it's going to be... No, I don't want to talk
1: about it. We're going to talk about it, it, man. We have to. I don't want to talk about it.
0: (laughs) We have to. It's going to hurt us both, but we have to talk about it.
1: I don't understand.
0: So... One of Josh and I's favorite movies of 2017, and I'll I'll speak for the both of us here. It was one of the most surprising movies for both of us in 2017. Yes, Power Rangers. This movie came out of nowhere and was excellent. As someone that didn't really grow up with the Power Rangers, I loved it. It was really really good. Of I genuinely cared more about the people than than when they were suited up. Like they, when they were suited up and um. Uh using the vehicles and everything else. It was fine, but I cared more about, oh no, is Zach's mom going to be okay? What are they going to do to pay the bills? Um, What about Trini? Has she told her parents about herself? Uh What about Kimberly? Yeah. I cared more about the human characters than anything else. Everyone felt so three-dimensional and just, you cared about them. They had really great chemistry. It still retained a little bit of that cheesiness of the original series, but you made it, you made sure that you cared about these characters. It was so well done. Now, um, Dacre Montgomery, the Red Ranger from that Power Rangers movie, has recently found success in Stranger Things, in season two, season three. Um, and he's great in that show. He was recently asked in a Reddit AMA about the status of Power Rangers, and if they're making another one. And he unfortunately replied that since Saban was acquired by Hasbro, uh Hasbro seems to be uh making another Power Rangers movie but with a new cast. They will be seems like from his understanding it will be a reboot and we will not be getting a sequel to the 2017 Power Rangers. Um I'll say this on the record. I'm not surprised at all by this, but it still hurts a lot.
1: Yeah, no, I um <sighs> I I'm really sad, honestly. Yeah, because... I
0: genuinely think this the 2017 Power Rangers will go down as a cult hit if it isn't already because there is this loyal following for that first Power Rangers of sneaking up on people of being, wow, that was really surprisingly good. But the thing is, not enough people went out to see it. It found some life when it came on Blu-ray of I don't know if the movie even broke even, so I can see why a studio would want to start over. But uh, the way that they set up Green Ranger coming in the next movie with Tommy and the cast being I actually got, they got really
1: excited to see Green Ranger. Oh my gosh, it made me so mad because I'm... They're like, oh, Tommy. And then the, there was the rumors, like, are they going to make him, make Tommy a girl or a boy? Like, oh, my gosh. And I was, like, super excited about it. Ugh.
0: I will say, though, if they did make a Power Rangers sequel, I think the biggest obstacle getting in the Power Rangers way would actually be being able to afford the original cast. Because since that first Power Rangers movie, almost all of them have blown up as megastars. Like I said, Dacre oh, Montgomery... He's a big name star now due to Stranger Things. Uh, Ludi Lin has was in Aquaman. There's rumors that he may be in Shang Chi for the MCU. Naomi Scott just set the world on fire as Jasmine in the Aladdin movie. So um, three out of five of them doing incredibly well for themselves. So I can see them being quite expensive to bring back. Um, yeah,
1: I, I can see that as well.
0: It it is very disappointing though to hear that this is not coming because. That was such a good movie and such a good update to the, at times, easy-to-mock World of Power Rangers.
1: Oh, not even at times. It is easily—it's super easy to mock all of it.
0: Oh, yeah. But the movie kind of embraced that fun aspect of it. So— it, it grounded itself in a real world easily.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, a little— um I'm doing a little fan casting in my head, right? So let's say, like, complete reboot, right? They don't bring anybody back except for one Jason Franks? Except, no. So I'm thinking, have Montgomery come back, but as Tommy? Hmm. I could see it. Yeah. Especially with that long hair that he sports in uh, Stranger Things. I could totally see him being Tommy.
0: I still kind of want him for Nightwing. I mean,
1: I agree.
0: Don't get. I me saw wrong. a great meme though that it was. Um, you see the you've seen those memes though. It's like, um, mom, can we get whatever we have whatever at home? So it was like, <laughs> um, mom, can we have Zach Efron? We have Zach Efron at home. Zach Efron at home. It's just Daker Montgomery's Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm like,
1: oh, he's poor going guy. places,
0: man. He's got. He's definitely going to be going places. Oh, he's he, he's gonna, him and Naomi Scott are poised to just be big name stars along with Tom Holland whose name seems to be attached to everything these days oh yeah so our last news story um I was tempted not to put but I'm keeping it on there because it's a very interesting prospect to say the least so John Carpenter one of my favorite horror directors he's responsible for the original Halloween which is still my favorite horror movie of all time He's getting in the comic book business apparently, as he is co-writing a one-shot Joker comic coming out this Halloween. I think this is fantastic.
1: I mean, if you're gonna get anybody to write that, yeah, John Carpenter is that's your guy, man. I will say, John Carpenter can
0: be a bit hit or miss with horror because as much as he's got, um, like um the thing in halloween he's got quite a few that no one really remembers anymore for good reason um yeah but we've had these one-shot stories before heck the killing joke is one to say the least um i like these one-shots of just different storytellers interpretations of characters or what they could bring to the table so i'm very curious to see what he brings i like the fact that he's co-writing it and he's not solely responsible for stuff i think he can bring a lot of creative ideas to the table so i'm i'm hyped to see what goes down with this
1: yeah absolutely
0: now if they want to be creative and bring in the money or just reward some of us um what they should do is make it a dc universe exclusive. Because they haven't really made any comics exclusives. They have show exclusives like Young Justice or Titans, but make a comic exclusive. That's assuming the show hasn't been di- dissolved into HBO Max by then. Yeah. But I'd say make that an exclusive, but need to say I will absolutely be picking this up. Just more out of curiosity to see what he brings at the table. Oh, absolutely. I'm always down for that. And I just like Carpenter assuming he can assuming he's not involved with the halloween movies which apparently are shooting back to back like we talked about last week
1: yeah which could be good or
0: bad yeah i'm not sure um josh you got a sponsor for
1: us this week yep yeah, why not um today's sponsor is uh sonic for their half price shakes after 8 I just want to say, are you going with the Sonic sponsorship? Absolutely. I I think it's what's funny is if you want, like listen to the to the show consistently. It's normally what
0: Josh is eating tonight.
1: Yep. <laughs> always. Almost always. Yep.
0: All right. Well, last week we talked about our favorite movie characters, and we're like, well, sometime we'll do our favorite TV characters. Well, glad you waited for that whole week before we got into this. So, I, at least for me personally, I have stuff from kind of all generations. I've got new stuff, old stuff, live action stuff, animated stuff. I'm all across the board right now. But, I gotta start off strong with my easily, hands down, bar none, my favorite TV show character of all time... Sean Spencer from Psych.
1: I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh man, I was sitting here like listening to us talk about you know news and stuff, and my brain wandered you know to the to the list, and I was like thinking about shows that both you and I have seen, and I was like, oh man, I hope we talk about Psych tonight.
0: You could literally put the entire cast of Psych. Actually, in my notes, I have Sean and Gus. Because the two of them, they're like peanut butter and jelly. Individually, they're great. You kind of lean a little bit more towards the peanut butter. But together, they're great. That is Sean and Gus. Sean especially... Uh, Sean Spencer is just my favorite, and again, I said I lean towards the Sherlock Holmes characters. Psych is literally just a Sherlock Holmes modern incarnation. With he really is, but uh, it's... with Sh- with Sean being your Sherlock, being the socially awkward um, but genius guy who has a medical assistant,
1: which is le- legitimately Gus, yep. who sells pharmaceuticals.
0: Which they may come a day. Where I am no longer entertained by Gus's girly squeals, but it is not this day. (laughs) Absolutely. But then, honorable mention to the one psych character that never gets nearly enough love, Woody the Coroner. Oh, absolutely. I love a coroner so much. But this anybody from honestly, anybody from psych is just the show is so well casted. Lassie's great. Jules is great. Uh, Henry Spencer's great. I actually almost corrected somebody on my Facebook timeline today because they had some Sean Spencer quote, and I was like, mm, that's a Henry Spencer quote. Yup. Amateur. Um, <laughs> what is this, amateur hour? Psych was and always will be my all-time favorite show, and Sean, just the quick, like, fast as a bullet uh, pop culture references. Mm, I wonder why I like his character so much.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: With his fantastic you're, 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 hair. Let that be known. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's keep along this train of, of uh, drama-esque shows with uh, a lot sure. of comedy in them. Um, I was going to nominate uh, Dr. Cox and JD from uh, Scrubs. See, I have
0: one of those names. I have Dr. Cox, but not JD. I have Dr. Cox and Turk. Yeah. I much prefer see, okay. Turk over JD. JD starts cool, but towards the later seasons, not a fan of his character. He
1: gets Fair enough, really but he's, also the, he's also the only, the reason why anytime I see, I go to a bar and I see somebody order an apple tea, <laughs> I laugh. I laugh to myself. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, the whole cast is incredible.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, you have Carla who... Honestly never changes but that's a good thing. She stays yeah. the mama bear from season 1 all the way to the end. Um Turk has some really good growth as the immature frat guy to a
1: somewhat responsible father of two kids. I mean he like he grows where he needs to. Like there's times where JD tries to pull him back toward, you know, back down to where he is and Turk's like, "Man, I, I can't. Like I'm a I've dad a now. I've got a kid. Like I can't." be doing all this stuff. Like, I still love you. You're still my best friend. And
0: you they still can't. do their stupid stuff. Yeah. But they do it a little more responsibly.
1: Oh, man. What is her name? The, the older black, uh, black. Um, oh, there's...
0: um, the one that died and then w- immediately came back in the next episode as somebody with a different name.
1: Yeah. It was hilarious. I was like, is this really what they're doing? I just kind of accepted it. Um, although the character oh. that makes me
0: laugh the most is janitor easily. Oh, absolutely! Because most of his stuff was improv. Um, but we've talked about it numerous times of I love Doctor Cox because he's a very interesting and complex character. Of honestly, to me, he's the actual hero of the show. Oh, absolutely! He's the, what literally I, holds everything together, and his arc to me is even more fascinating than Turks. Of, I I would agree. He where he starts in season one all the way to spoiler alert becoming the chief of medicine for season three, and almost kind of seeing why Kelso was the way he was for so many seasons yes and
1: well and and not just that, but I do I feel like like he has the biggest arc out of all of them
0: with his relationship with Jordan, the relationship with his kids, and more or less being like my childhood sucked, I am not my
1: father though, yes. I think, to me, the moment I realized Dr. Cox was not the same from season one all the way up to this moment was Carla and Turk's wedding, mm, and
0: when he wanted to
1: actually be with Jordan. Yes, like and just the the stuff that he talks about with Carla in that in that episode. It's you you see like this isn't just the 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 angry kind of douchey guy. That was also really smart. So it was hard to not respect him, but he's kind of a jerk all the time. But then like you get to that moment and it's, he, this isn't that guy. He's, he's sweet. He is caring. And he's like, you understand, like the anger doesn't come from a place of, I just hate the world. It comes from a place like, I, I like my, I love my, what I do and I like to do what I do at a high level. And I need everybody else to get back to get up to that level as well.
0: I think because he's such a cold and somewhat emotionally distant character, when he shows emotion, it makes it that much more powerful. I will always say that the saddest moments of Scrubs always somehow revolve around Doctor Cox. With the oh, two being totally um, the,
1: the episode with Ben. Oh, that's the one ben that I can dead. never
0: get through without just crying.
1: Uh, dude, when Brendan
0: Fraser's character oof. dies, oh, dude! Because even and, when you know it's, it's coming, because they drop some interesting foreshadowing throughout the whole episode. Oh, yeah. it's a gut punch.
1: It really is. It it's
0: mm. see that, it, 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 but the moment that always gets to me even more is um, when he's so desperate to save that patient that he um, uh, save his patients. Actually, he uh, once that one patient dies. He gives them all the different organs, but they were all infected organs. And he loses all three of the patients. And he just flips out, like, flips over the defibrillator. Um, yeah. And just freaks out and quits on the spot with tears in his eyes. And it was like, oh, that's hard to watch. Yeah. Because you watch this guy for so many seasons now of just being... Nothing phases him. Everything rolls off his back. And you see like other characters have had someone die on them. Like JD's had people die on him. Elliot's had people die on him and they've had to deal with it in no way. But then Dr. Cox, it just all blew up and it was just, Oh, it's such a powerful scene. Yeah. I
1: think the thing it, it, it is, it's a bigger deal when it happens to Cox because oh, absolutely. he's, he's Dr. Cox. Like he doesn't lose people. People like you go to, you want to get better. You go to Dr. Cox. The man's got your back. Like, I mean, crap. Half of my, my, uh, my comebacks and all of like the crap talking that I do in, in like at just work, calling
0: people like, girls names like Nancy. Oh yeah. His is from Dr. Cox. Just like, monologues are just the best.
1: Oh, they're the best. And like my brain always like gets attached to like weird things. Like when he calls JD out for uh, taking too long for shopping for shirts because he's nervous about his nipples poking out. and makes me laugh every time. Um, whenever him in, oh, what is his name? The big buff dude who, who's all like always about the sexual stuff. Todd? Um, Todd, um, th- when they're like working out and trying to get Turk to go to, to work out with them, whatever. And he's like, the moment you, the moment you're happy with how you look is the moment you lose. And I was like, well, okay. It's cause Cox is dead inside. Yeah. I mean, he is, but he's not true. Um, what else you got? You got
0: a couple more
1: cause I got plenty oh. more. Oh, I got plenty more. Um, I bring to the table since we're kind of talking about this. Uh, I always try to m- – my goal every year is to try a new show um, that maybe I wouldn't before. Uh, obviously, I have – I got to watch more than one show a year, it's some, but sometimes that's, yeah. all I, that's all I have time for. So um, a couple of years ago, uh, I tried Frontiers with Jason Momoa.
0: Oh, is that the Um, one where it's like him in kind of like a wilderness kind of
1: backwoods? It's back in the days of of the fur fur trading up in Canada, up in the Hudson Bay with all the Indians and stuff. And he basically, you know, plays the typical, his character's name is uh, Declan Harp, and he plays, you know, typical Jason Momoa. I was about to say, Jason Momoa is playing Jason Momoa? Yeah, basically. You know, he's half Irish half Cherokee or something like that so he's like you know <laughs> he, he he's as cool as he can get basically I mean the first time you meet him he's like skinning uh, <clears throat> skinning a deer and it's just he's, he's a really really cool character but he as Jason the, Bromoa. The, yeah but the, the interesting thing for me was Declan Harp is perhaps his deepest character because the more you learn, the more you learn about him, the more you understand why he is, why he's very like, kind of withdrawn. Why he, he he's okay with sometimes with taking certain risks and stuff like that. It's it's he's a very interesting character, and obviously it's Jason Momoa, and he's got a certain level of awesome to him that well, I'll, you know, it's hard to not be awesome when you're Jason Momoa.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's possible for Jason Momoa to not be awesome at something. Oh, absolutely. You got it. What? Well, while we're sticking with dramatic characters, you got any other dramatic
1: roles? Um. Yeah. I. But it's both of them are from an anime. Actually. Go for it.
0: Uh, then I'll um, transition this to our animated characters.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, have you ever watched Full Metal Alchemist: The I have Brotherhood not. series? All right. So first of all, I think you would enjoy it. I know, I, uh, to my knowledge, you're not that into anime, and that's okay. Um, I'm but, a casual. Yeah, I mean, I am honestly, I am as well. But uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood has some of the coolest characters and some of the most interesting storylines. Uh, so basically, Full Metal Alchemist is about essentially. So the, you know the point in time when. Alchemy was you know kind of the main study of science of you know the way that the world worked instead of you know, traditional science. The sh- show is based upon the premise that alchemy is the direction that people went with as, for, as far as learning about the world and understanding the world right, rather than traditional science to the point where it's almost to a level of like magic where people can like actually create and destroy things in seconds uh, using alchemy and stuff. It's, it's in, well, of course there's all kinds of different forms and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the character is, his name's Colonel Mustang. He's like the he- head of poli- police <clears throat> So I've got like an Oreo in my throat. Um, <laughs> he, his, his alchemy is basically flames, but in order to make it happen, he has like a very sp- a specific design on the glove that he wears and he snaps Whenever he he uses his flames um, but he the his character is one that much like dr. Cox comes off as cold and unfeeling and very like I'm just here because I'm the colonel and uh, you're gonna listen to me because I said so and if you don't I'm gonna incinerate you so you know pick you pick your poison um. But the, as the show goes on, you learn more about his past and uh, why he is the way he is and to the point where uh, this character that you don't – that's been by his side throughout the entire series and you're not quite sure how he feels about her. But one of the main villains like legit goes after her and he pins the villain against the, a wall and legitimately disintegrates the person it's like a, almost a five minute scene of him just snapping over and over and over again and hearing the character scream. It's intense. Um, but he is the perfect balance of intensity, but also like wise old brother kind of thing. Cause he, the main character who is also on my list, Edward, um, one of the main characters anyway, cause it's about two brothers. um, he he's very much Mustang is very much an older brother to Edward. And it's the dynamic there is very interesting as well. I I don't want to like say too much because I, I don't know if you'll ever watch the show, but it's, it's, it's a lot to unpack. So it's, it's hard to just pinpoint one little thing.
0: Fair enough. I'll stay on the animated um, one with one that I know you'll agree with of single-handedly one of the greatest, Animated characters, or especially original animated characters. Of, he's not based off anything. One of the greatest animated characters of all time, Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: Yes!
0: I that was- love Uncle Iroh. There has not been a better mentor figure that I've ever seen on a TV show. Of, he's like Mr. Miyagi meets an old season general mixed with a loving father, mixed with a little bit of Alfred. He's just everything a mentor figure should be. But uh, it was interesting because Uncle Iroh was always on the bad side. And as a kid watching a quote-unquote kid show at the time, to have such an interesting and complex character on clearly the villain side, when these were the days of uh, Prince Zuko definitively being one of the main villains for Avatar before his incredible face turn over the show, it's being one of the main protagonists against his own father, uh, Fire Lord Ozai, to have almost kind of been rooting for Uncle Iroh from day one, because he was this, like, level-headed, good figure. of. There's that great scene of uh, Uncle Iroh's in prison for something, but the way that they shoot the scene with Zuko visiting him in prison. Uncle Iroh's the one in the light, and Zuko's the one in the dark, even though Iroh's the one in prison. And just the yeah. symbolism was brilliant for that. Um, Iroh is one of the wisest characters I've ever seen in the show. He's so good. And we've said this before in our Five Good Things Uncle Iroh is one of the few things they actually did right in the live action movie. Um, I have both Uncle Iroh and Aang. I. Just all of the last Airbender show was so incredibly well cast and just so well written. You could have Iroh, Ang, Zuko, um, uh, Toph, anybody. The show was so well written. It has some of the best characters ever created, not just for an anime show, some of the best characters for a show, period.
1: Oh, dude. Yeah, no, because I... So, Uncle Iroh, a specific the... There's always parts of the of the show that you don't think you'll remember, or you 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 haven't watched the show in a long time, and you forget certain spot points. Um, recently at work, actually, we were talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender, and um, one of the guys that I did not peg for someone to watch, that as someone that watched animated shows, started singing the song that he sings in that episode where he's grieving the loss of his son. And I was just like stopped on the grill and was like, no, why would, why would you give me that emotion at this particular time? See,
0: I don't remember that song. I just remember the one song that sparked the legend that is secret tunnel
1: through the mountain. (laughs) No, it's the, it's the episode. It's the multi-section like section episode where Alpha gets taken. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's, sing- he's, he's singing to the portrait of his son. Just, oh, I wrote, from episode one,
0: you root for him more than almost anybody else, and that does not change. He is one of the few, like, morally good, but will do whatever it takes to protect his family and protect Zuko.
1: Yes. The other character I'll nominate from that show that I think is just as important as everybody else is Soka. Sokka. Not Soka. They, Look, they man. definitely Sokka. We're not going
0: with the <laughs> Shyamalan pronunciation here. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, Sokka is, is legit the best, in my opinion, the best character of the series. He's the that's funniest. That's because though. I'm... I'm, I'm but to me, like, he's one of the only ones outside of Iroh that actually has to deal with some, like, really intense stuff.
0: Oh, like gosh, falling, with his
1: girlfriend? Yeah, falling in love. Like, he's the only one that – I don't count Katara falling in love with Jet because Jet I, – I hated Jet from the day we met him. But, um, but with Soka falling in love with the, the Water Tribe princess and then she – has to leave. And like, how do you do that? Knowing that she's up there in the sky every night, like dude.
0: Yeah. He's one that like, he's jokey and he's fun, but when he's serious and needs to turn it on and have emotional depth to him, they
1: really give him emotional depth. Oh dude. And to me, he's, he, he's one of the only characters that doesn't need to, but feels like he is constantly have to prove why he deserves to be there with the Avatar.
0: Yeah, because you got the Avatar, the one that's going to save the world, a water bending sister, an earth bending friend in Toph, who MVP, Toph is the best.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and even
0: Zuko, when he turns face as the fire instructor. He's the only one that really can't do anything, so he has to try more than anybody else to justify his position on the card.
1: Quote, quote unquote, justify because to in me, he
0: doesn't. He more or less become the leader. He's the one oh, Always guy. the
1: leader. Yeah, he's completely the leader. Especially like by the end of the series, when they when they have when they start planning the entire invasion, he's the one they go to, and it's not just like. It's not just the avatar, you know, core gang. It's everyone. They're like, okay, well, we need a leader, Soka, Where you at? Like, it, he he's in, especially after he gets his meteor sword, that he just turns into this leader that is always cracking out great jokes. So, uh,
0: piggybacking off your reluctant leader one, I'm gonna go with one that. Um, I feel like this show, it found its audience with diehard fans, but the casual Star Wars fan never really latched onto this show like they did with Rebels. Um, no, what they did with Clone Wars, and I'm talking about Star Wars Rebels, and the character in question for me is Freddie Prince Jr.'s Kanan Jarrus. Oh, I dude. I love Kanan so much, and- I know quite a few people that never gave Rebels a fair shake because it wasn't Clone Wars. And yes, it's more child-friendly than Clone Wars was. But when it gets serious, oh man, it gets serious. And Kanan Jarrus is responsible for a lot of the serious moments. I like his character because he's the mentor figure. But he's a mentor figure that his own mentorship was cut short because of Order 66. So he's a dude that's learning... Just as much as Ezra is, the dude he's training. So when Ezra's like, why do do it this way? I I don't know because I was never taught this. And he often has to come up with the whole, I don't know what to do here because Ezra, in all honesty, is more powerful than I am. But I have to keep teaching him and I don't know how to do
1: that. He's easily the show in general is incredible and gets more and more serious as as it goes along i still would say it's uh, one of the
0: most underappreciated things in star wars canon not nearly oh, people give it
1: the credit it deserves well i've seen people write it off off simply because they don't like the like the animation style
0: yeah the animation does take a little bit to get used to but i'll be honest man there's stuff that hits hard how did
1: you finish rebels um, I'm not completely done. I, I, the last thing I remember was a certain not so cut in half character came back.
0: Oh, wow. So you're a little bit behind. Yeah. So this goes without like saying, two. but not all the characters in Rebels are there when the show ends, obviously, because certain yeah. characters don't show up in the original trilogy. There is, I'll spoil it for you now. Kanan, of course, doesn't make it because... Obviously. I can't have a Jedi in regular timeline. When he goes, I am open enough to admit, I bawled my eyes out because of how they do it. Oh my goodness. I, you, They kind of foreshadowed through that whole episode that he's going to bite it. But the way that they do it, because, again, brief spoilers, in his first encounter with Darth Maul at the end of season two, Darth Maul makes him blind. So... Yep. Um, I'm about to spoil the whole thing for you here, Josh, because you've had plenty of time. I mean, I have have. proper context of why it's so powerful. So, uh, Hera, his longtime love interest slash whatever we want to call this, I'll just call it love interest. uh, She's been captured by the Empire, and they mount a rescue mission to find to get her. So they finally get her. They're just about to um, board the escape ship but they're on top of an oil tanker and so a big old walker comes along and shoots at them and blows up the tanker that they're on Um, and Kanan is holding back the explosion with the force as he's pushing uh, Ezra and Hera onto the ship and he looks at Hera with his blind eyes and the force gives him sight one last time so that he can see her as he's engulfed by the flames And I'm just like, don't you dare tell me that this is a kid's show. And that's how he goes out. And I'm like, oh, oh, man. And it was so beautifully done. And it was a long term story. And his character is so well done. Freddie Prinze Jr. does not get the recognition he deserves as a voice actor. He's phenomenal as Kanan.
1: I, I would love to see Freddy do more, honestly. He he's
0: great. His podcast is hysterical. He's a great dude. He really is. Uh what I got one we? more animated one. Do you got any more animated ones
1: before I go into another I mini? Do, but they're they're all anime and I, I I'm I'm really bad at describing animes, so <laughs> uh, do one more anime and then I'll do
0: my last animated one and then we'll do some more live action ones. Yeah. Uh,
1: so <laughs> this ne- uh, this next one's from two really, from a show called My Hero Academia.
0: Yep, I'm um, familiar.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the main two characters, actually uh, Deku or Midoriya and uh, Bakugo, are cheese, dude. J- you know me; I am a sucker for good storytelling. And uh, just a little background, because Josh is a nerd. Um, I hate Naruto because the main character is super annoying. I can't get behind him. Um, and when we first meet Midoriya, he's really annoying. And He cries all the time, and it's uh, I want I just want to reach on the screen and smack him. But by the end of season one, I'm fully behind him. Like, yeah, no, dude, let's go. Uh, like, you believe this kid is get this can can conquer anything he puts his mind to because. L- Anytime a character says, "I'm going to do this," and you're like, "Okay, well, the writer is obviously, you know, you're supposed to say that, you know, like I'm, I'm the hero of the story. I'm gonna go. I wanna. I'm gonna tell everybody. I wanna be a superhero, so I'm gonna do it." And you're like, "All right, cool, whatever," but kid, you don't have any powers. Like, how's that gonna happen? And then he just, yeah, it's it's incredible. And to watch uh, Bakugo, who could easily be a villain, legit get captured by villains and literally looks them all in the eye and goes, why would you think that that's a path I want to go down? Because guys are a bunch of idiots and just like tries to destroy them all. It's, it's a fantastic show. So, uh,
0: you made me think with a character that you absolutely hated, but then grew to love. I'll talk about one of those in live action, um, in a little bit here, but I'll do with my last animated character that I'm sure you, Josh, could figure out very easily. I'll give you one guess. Um,
1: Animated. Is it? Are you gonna? Are you gonna talk about Drake Drake Bell's Spider Man?
0: No, that's not on my list. Actually, uh, I have been meaning to tell you something. So, on Vudu, uh, my movie collection service, they have like free stuff. So, I've actually been catching up on. I feel like I'm cheating on it, but spectacular Spider-Man. Okay. Which animation is still eh, but it's actually a really good Spider-Man. I really enjoy it. Uh, But no, it is a superhero though. Jesse McCartney's Nightwing from Young Justice. (laughs) Because Nightwing has to be somewhere at all times. But not just that. um, He is... The second best Nightwing we've ever gotten behind Neil Patrick Harris in Under the Red Hood. I still love that Nightwing a lot. Um, Oh,
1: he's fantastic.
0: But his Nightwing, his Dick Grayson just in general, has grown from season one to the season three of Young Justice. I particularly love season three, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, just because that feels the most Nightwing to me. But as someone that's been wanting Nightwing forever, I just love what they've done with him on the show. He's so... The Nightwing that I know and love. It's just nice to see a character just come to life, even if it's just in an animated show. Just the character journey that he's gone through. of Just this cocky, annoying brat at times in season one who's just like, I'm the leader. Who made you the leader? I did. Because I am assistant to Batman. To having that leadership stripped away and given to Aqualad. Only for Aqualad to go, no, Robin's the right one. And then Robin giving it back to him at the end of season one, but becoming a really good team leader for season two, leading a really big grouping for season three. I just love what they've done with Nightwing. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of what they do with him for season three. And I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be a fan of Jesse McCartney as a superhero. Yeah. He does a great Nightwing though. He does. All right. Um, I got a couple random live action ones now transitioning back to live action. But before we get to mine, Josh, what do you got for some live action ones?
1: Um, let's see if I had any left on the list that I, I came up with. Um, well,
0: while you're thinking of some, I'll go with the one that um, I talked about earlier that you said characters that you hated, but you grew to love. There's one character that um, was, is on a show that's very popular right now that I will admit. Season one, I absolutely despised this character, like, with a passion. And then they almost did a double turn between him and another character in season two, and I began to hate that character and love this other character. The show? Stranger Things. Oh, really? Yep. Oh! I hated oh. Steve Harrington. Yes! And now, he is by he far him, the best thing on Stranger Things. Oh, my gosh. I, I hated Steve. season one, Steve Harrington, but we're supposed to. And then they do this very odd thing for season two of almost kind of turn. um, What's her name? Nancy. Nancy. They almost kind of turn Nancy heel and do a double turn of make you feel bad for Steve because almost everything Steve has gets taken away from him. And Nancy just becomes this brat. Thankfully, she's better for season three. I really much enjoy her in season three. But Steve became almost like Papa Bear of looking out for Dustin and the rest of the kids in season two. Even more so in season three, he goes full Papa Bear. And I just love Steve Harrington in Stranger Things so much.
1: Steve is legit my, like, <laughs> his interactions with Dustin alone in also, season Also, Dustin two. is on my list too. I love... oh what a guy. Just spin-off show with Steven Dustin,
0: please. Just call <laughs> ships ahoy.
1: she get out of here.
0: I uh, the two of them have such great chemistry. Um just the arc he's gone on from just absolute jerk I hated him so much in season one, to being the I will protect everyone at all costs. Um but also We can't talk about Stranger Things without talking about Hopper. Hopper's... Oh, Hopper is easily the more emotionally complex character compared to Steve, though. Uh, There's much more at play with Hopper of, like, the whole... His um, daughter that died before the show and adopting Eleven, more or less, to be his surrogate daughter. Granted, season three, he's become more of a comedic character, but the way that they make him... I actually really enjoyed his comedy in season three. He's great. His humor really worked at least for me.
1: I, I, have, I'm only like two or three episodes in, um, but I don't like Hopper in season three.
0: Then you probably won't like him the tone that they set pretty early on with him being more comedic and having some of that banter with Joyce. That's, that's kind of what you're going to get for a lot so, of season three. So, just so, so, you know. so, so
1: here, here, here's the thing. It has nothing to do with the comedy. Cause I see the comedy and it's kind of funny. I, I enjoy it. Um, but it, it's his interaction with will. No, oh, don't worry about um, that. The, the thing with, Eleven without going too will.
0: much into the story details, um, He's not going to interact with will and 11 a whole lot.
1: Yeah, the rosters it
0: was, it, are going to be split to do their own side missions.
1: Yeah, it just it put a bad taste in my mouth about him. That um,
0: that'll get fixed, don't worry. I'm sure it better quick, but so but yeah. Uh transitioning. This is going to be a leap, but just follow me here and you can thank me later. On my list of all-time favorite TV show characters, let's just say Steve Harrington isn't the only Steve on my list. Okay. Drake and Josh is Crazy Steve.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: (laughs) I have never laughed at a character harder in my entire life than Crazy Steve. And you don't think he left that much of an impact? But still to this day, if I say... Cock-a-doodle-doo, what comes next, Josh?
1: The cow says moo! (laughs) (laughs) You ate my enchilada! There was
0: no note! You ate
1: my enchilada! Or
0: just his madness is a different kind of madness of when he eats the enchilada. You're not mad at me? No, it's not my time. My therapist has given me a special time that I'm allowed to get mad at the world for the day. Well, what time is that? <laughs> Only me and my therapist are allowed to know that.
1: <laughs>
0: like, I was very tempted to put um, Spencer from iCarly because I just love Jerry Trainor and Nickelodeon shows, but I love <laughs> Crazy Steve just a little bit more. He, I, I, I've, he I've was the that. single greatest addition to Drake and Josh. He is so good. Uh, I still remember whenever there was a Drake and Josh show, uh, Drake and Josh episode on TV and my mom was watching it was always the episode where they get trapped in the house and he's <laughs> watching Dora the Explorer
1: jeez Oprah I lost it's right behind you <laughs> I hope Oprah gets cancelled you take that back Ah, <laughs> uh, I love Drake and Josh like I
0: still would have loved a Crazy Steve spinoff show oh dude just imagine it. Crazy Steve living in a mental ward.
1: No, they, they like did a, a spinoff show. Don't say they that did. he's
0: actually Spencer.
1: <laughs> he's, in, he, he's, a, he's in I Carly. I don't know what you're talking about. Just Drake and Josh in
0: general has such good comedy of rewatching it now as an adult. There's a lot of jokes that I just didn't catch. Of just This is really well-written, just snappy dialogue. And they should have introduced Crazy Steve a lot sooner because he was like a mid-show acquisition.
1: He wasn't yeah, there from he the was. get-go. But it is—he's a great—he's a great—he was a great addition, and the show definitely changes once he's there.
0: Yes, because there's almost this like the show already was random, but add in Crazy Steve coming out wielding two bras and chocolate milk. Yep, and it becomes even more random. Or um, was it Gavin was it the hippie? <laughs> I'm gonna go take a nap on the roof
1: because why not
0: that that show just had so many great quirky characters, and I oh, I love crazy Steve, and I when I was listening looking back on my list, I was like, I gotta have crazy Steve on here somewhere all right, who uh, else you got because I've got two more sets I got a set of two and one
1: old old school character Jeez. oh yeah um i'm trying to think man it's it's been a while wa- i've never been one unfortunately to watch a lot of tv i watch so, too much i mean <laughs> honorable
0: mention buzz Lightyear, your star command characters because we talked about yeah. that last week
1: um obviously uh geez and that's what i'm trying oh samurai jack oh yeah that was your show man that is oh dude that's my show man. Part Partly because it was of how unique it is in its storytelling, in its dialogue, and in its presentation. Um, Yeah, dude. Samurai Jack's the dude. He is the dude.
0: Well, Samurai Jack was your show. One of my shows was and always will be Sherlock. Oh, yeah, obviously. Because, of course, Psych is a reference to the Sherlock, but when I was talking earlier about Sherlock characters, I was more specifically referring to the characters from Sherlock. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch will always be my favorite Sherlock. He is so good on that show. Like, it is not even funny. No, he's, yeah, he's He nails incredible. the Sherlock role of emotionally cold, but incredibly brilliant. You just know it. Um, but I have another character. It's Sherlock, but not Watson, as my other character that I love from the show. It's Sherlock and Moriarty and I know you're Dude, going to disagree with that.
1: I love that Moriarty. Oh,
0: I don't know why but I I was under the impression that you didn't like this Moriarty. No, and I I
1: love Andrew Scott's Moriarty he's so much. incredible. And I think the 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 thing about him is that he is exactly like Sherlock only completely different.
0: Yes, I still think the Reichenbach episode, the season 2 finale where they square off on the roof is the single greatest hour and a half of television I've ever watched because of those oh, two absolutely. characters' interaction. I could just and, watch uh, that rooftop scene all day. That is so well written, well acted. It oh, his Moriarty, the big, the only mistake they made with him was killing him off so soon. But
1: the scene is done so well, and. The good thing is the the following episode where, it, you know, they because they have to explain everything. Um, It doesn't take away from the magic and it doesn't at all make you feel like, oh, that that's that, that couldn't have happened.
0: I'm kind of disappointed we haven't seen more of Andrew Scott. I would I loved his Moriarty so much that I would love to see him in more big movies. The last time I saw him and he was kind of a minor villain in Spectre, the most recent James Bond. Maybe have him as Riddler. I would love that. Um, oh,
1: absolutely.
0: His Moriarty is, to me, the Moriarty that you compare all your other Moriartys going forward to. Just like you compare all your Sherlock's going forward to Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Just the writing was so good for that show. The acting is so good. But Sherlock and Moriarty, I have their pops. I love the two characters so much.
1: Now, before I go into my
0: last one, Josh, you got any
1: last closing ones? I, I'm struggling, man. I'm I'm really struggling here. Um, I'm uh, trying to think also, of some live action shows. This'll this may tip you
0: off to what my last one was, but then again, this is going in the Wayback machine. Honorable mentions: to some old school Disney characters that I grew up with. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, Even Stevens, or Beans. Both of them are great. Yeah. Ron Stoppable. Always great. Always. Wade. Always great. But this one, not nearly enough people talk about this show. And it was one of, if not my favorite Disney Channel show. And I'm sure there are people out there listening that can already figure out what I'm talking about. And they're going, yep, this is great. And more people need to remember it. Famous Jet Jackson. I don't think I remember that Not nearly enough people do. It's so sad, too, because he even had a TV movie, which was really good, too. So, uh, do you remember Smallville? Uh, Yeah. The guy that played Cyborg on Smallville. Okay. He had a show way back in the day called... Oh, he was also Turk's protege on the last season of Scrubs.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a show
0: back in the day, and it was my favorite show on Disney Channel called Famous Jet Jackson, where it was this kid um, who went to school like every other kid on a Disney show, but his other job was as a TV star. And so, but it wasn't like Hannah Montana where there was like a laugh track or anything else. It actually was more in terms of addressing real world issues closer to that Raven, except even more dramatic of his dad is a cop and there is one episode where his dad gets shot at and so his dad has like ptsd for the next several weeks of like someone's car alarm goes off and his dad like flips out of um, there's another episode where some books are banned and so the kids are reading the book in school in form of protest as a form of peaceful protest or there's another episode where um, Jet Jackson is given a gun on the TV show to defeat the villains and the act, the character of Jet Jackson is just like, I don't know if I'm comfortable promoting gun violence to kids considering this is supposed to be a kids superhero show type of thing. And so he like has to wrestle with, am I okay with using weapons on a kid's show type of thing? It was like an actual really serious, but well done show. Man. And it's so hard to find nowadays. And the, just Jet Jackson as a whole, it was very real. It was really human. Of It felt like a family. It felt, particularly the main character, he felt like a regular kid. There wasn't some annoying laugh track being like, laugh here. There were some moments of humor, but by and large, it was more of a believable family drama. And Jet Jackson was such a good relatable character. He's one of the most human characters that Disney Channel has ever done. But it's sad to say, it just doesn't really get the love or appreciation it really deserves. And his movie, uh, the Famous Jackson movie, is where it's super meta. Um, There's like a portal that they create for the movie, within the movie. So the premise of the movie is Famous Jackson. is like, alright, so we're making a movie, right? Yep. So he goes through this portal where his acting, like his character on the show, comes to the real world and the real world, Jit Jackson, goes into the movie world and they're swapped. Oh, wow. And it's actually really, really clever commentary of like um, the actors like trying to talk to the villain. He's just like, oh, hey, Marv, whatever, whatever. And the of course, the villain's just like, what are you even talking about? And it was really, really well done. Not enough people have talked about remember playing Mr. Jackson, but he's one of the most human and relatable characters in any Disney show, and I'm like, this is my platform, this is my hill I die on, that it's the best Disney show with the best character.
1: Do you know what that reminds me of a little bit? Oh? Static shock.
0: Uh, Yeah, a little bit. It was kind of like static shock, except Jet Jackson didn't have any powers, but in terms of like, oh, also... It very much, just like Static Shock, it dealt a lot with um, race issues, too, because Jackson was a black family, and it dealt with, like, racism before even That's a Raven did. So, yeah, it was very similar to Static Shock in terms of it's, like, it can be for kids, but it can also teach kids about mature things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's so yeah, what Static Shock is really ever, good.
0: If you can ever find episodes, I'd say seek out Famous Jet Jackson. Oh, my gosh. If that is on Disney+, Plus, they will have a membership for life from me.
1: <laughs> I think they're going to have
0: a membership for, for life for, uh, from all of us. So. Except for you. You're going to find somebody else.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I think that'll about do it for us tonight. Let us know in the comments below what your favorite TV characters are of all time. We always love hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's uh, Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. And if, as always, if you haven't subscribed to us already on YouTube, subscribe to us at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.